am your host, Matt Hicks, the FF Educator, and I am so excited to have a full slate of college football action to react to. We have a full weekend of NFL action to preview, and on this episode, it's going to be broken down into three segments. We're going to cover the full slate here. So we're going to start with Devi reactions. I have nine week one Devi standouts that I want to break down. In segment number two, I'm going to give you five rookies who I expect will outperform their expectations. And then in the last segment, we're going to do a 2024 quarterback tier check-in. So we're covering it all, folks, in three segments. We have Devi, we have Rookie, and we have Dynasty. And that's what we're doing all year here on the Rookie Big Board. Make sure you head on over to patreon.com slash rookie big board because I have updated Devi rankings, Dynasty rankings, Rookie rankings on there we have updated consensus crew rankings the discord is just so active this time of year it's so fun the college football the game day chats on top of all the Devi insight roster personalization that we're doing again check it out patreon.com slash rookie big board now without further ado we have a full slate of college football to react to Everybody's going to be talking about Colorado this week. They came out and had a massive performance. Now, I'm actually not going to spend more than a minute talking about Colorado because I did a full breakdown video on YouTube, Rookie Big Board on YouTube, where I dig into the buy, sell, uh, hold for Dylan Edwards, Travis Hunter, Shador Sanders, Xavier Weaver, Jimmy Horn Jr. It's 10 minutes. If you're not subscribed over on YouTube, I would encourage you to do that. But I did want to take time to point out true freshman Dylan Edwards. He was the most impressive part of a really impressive weekend for the Buffaloes. So true freshman Dylan Edwards, he was a Notre Dame commit that flipped when uh, Deion Sanders went to Colorado. A true freshman, he's kind of known for being a dual threat prospect and he got on the field right away five receptions for 135 yards and three touchdowns through the air he had six carries for 24 yards and a rushing touchdown but it wasn't just the box score it's what you saw if you were watching that Colorado game I love for Dylan Edwards his first touchdown reception was third and goal it was right at the start of the game Colorado was driving downfield easily, and they get to the goal line. They can't punch it in. They can't punch it in. And on third and goal, Shador Sanders goes to true freshman Dylan Edwards, who gets the receiving touchdown. And for me, that says a lot about what uh, Shador Sanders, the quarterback, feels about Dylan Edwards, but also the coaching staff putting him out there and in that situation. Uh, so the other big plays that we see from Dylan Edwards, we see his ability to make guys miss in space, be athletic, elusive, good field vision. So there's a lot to like about this guy. He's going to be one of the fastest rising Devi players here. A, a you know quick quick bit of caution here. Just keep in mind he's a little undersized for his frame. So he's coming in at about 5'8", sub 180 here. So we're hoping that he builds on that frame here over the course of the next couple seasons. And he's a true freshman, so he absolutely has the ability to do that. The other guy that everybody's going to be talking about, and for good reason, is Keon Coleman. Nine receptions for 122 yards and three touchdowns for the Michigan State transfer who showed out in his first game with Florida State. Now, if you've been listening to the Rookie Big Board, you know about Keon Coleman because I've talked about Keon Coleman a few times over the course of the offseason. I've talked about him in mock drafts. I've talked about him in the wide receiver summer scouting. 
If you are a patron, you would have read his full summer scouting profile, and you would have read that I was excited about him, excited about him as a boundary receiver, excited about his ability to work downfield, his athleticism, his ball tracking ability. But I got to tell you, folks, even though I have a lot of exposure to Keon Coleman, and I have, uh, you know, certainly a high opinion of Keon Coleman, he still impressed me. He still met that bar and exceeded it. To get three touchdowns to be the dude in the offense, and listen, this wasn't a cupcake warm-up game here for Florida State. They went against a tough SEC defense in LSU, a tough LSU secondary. Now, now, Florida State sliced him up. They made him look like a weak secondary, but that was impressive. And Keon Coleman, clearly, he, you know, to step in and be the wide receiver one right away for your team, that's super impressive. It's clear his quarterback, Jordan Travis, has a lot of faith in him, and for good reason. So now, you know, in terms of reaction, right, Debbie, we're always talking about what's the consensus reaction. Now, Keon Coleman, man, he performed in a primetime game. He performed in week one. This is before a lot of people who just casually check in on college football, you know, they, they are focused in week one, right? So they have locked in Keon Coleman's name. They might not watch another Florida State game for the next three months, but you're he's still going to hold value for your league mates. So it's really important here when you show out in week one to know your value is going to hold a little bit longer. And I think Keon Coleman's athleticism and his skill set is going to justify that value holding top 50 NFL draft selection in 2024 at this point and we absolutely could be talking about him as a locked in first rounder here as we get closer to the 2024 NFL draft now a game probably not as many people will be talking about because not as many people watched it was Michigan taking on East Carolina. It was on Peacock, so if you don't have Peacock, you may not have gotten this game. It's a little annoying that there will be some of these one-off games. Now, if you're like me and you are obsessed with Parks and Rec, you know that's where you get Peacock anyway, so I did have the Peacock subscription, and I was able to have this game up here on the side. And what I was really excited about was J.J. McCarthy and Roman Wilson. So this is a two-for-one game. With J.J. McCarthy, he went 26 for 30. That was 87% completion. He threw for 280 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And I know what you're thinking, like, dude, I don't care what J.J. McCarthy does against East Carolina. And quite frankly, folks, in terms of stats, that's cool, but I don't really care that much either. What I care about is I saw J.J. McCarthy. So this is the knock. Let me start here. This is the knock on J.J. McCarthy. It's always, oh, Michigan runs the ball first, runs the ball second, and then McCarthy will just kind of clean up. He gets the easy throws. Michigan made a point to establish that they were passing the ball in a balanced attack. J.J. McCarthy was throwing the ball early. He was throwing the ball with really clean mechanics from the pocket. He had good velocity, absolutely improved velocity uh, off the off his release here uh, this year compared to last year. So J.J. McCarthy, for me, he's been the quarterback three in this class all offseason. And I've said pretty consistently that I'm cool being above consensus on J.J. McCarthy because I think folks are going to catch up. And I think that started with week one. Now, we're going to get to see a lot more J.J. McCarthy over the course of the next month and then, of course, throughout the entire season. But I do think that if you are, are looking to be ahead of your league mates a little bit, you can still be ahead of them on J.J. McCarthy. I think he's going to be a first-round NFL draft pick, and I think he's going to gain a lot of hype when folks really tune in and see his uh, his velocity and mechanics when compared to his, or I should say, when paired with his athleticism. Now, his favorite target this weekend was Roman Wilson. And Roman Wilson, somebody who's been on my radar because as I was watching uh, Ronnie Bell tape from last year, as I was watching Blake Corum tape when I thought he was declaring uh, over the summer when I was watching Donovan Edwards tape and JJ McCarthy tape, 
you see these pops of Roman Wilson over the past couple of years. Like you see these pops, these flashes, but the health has been a concern. The consistency has been a concern. Uh, but if you go back to his recruiting profile in 2019, Roman Wilson has a verified 43740 time. That's verified. That was at the opening finals in 2019. So as a high schooler, he was running a 437. Usually that number doesn't go down when you get to Michigan and, and you know get into that strength and conditioning program, right? So he comes out here, he looks healthy, he looks good. Six receptions for 78 yards, three touchdowns. He absolutely looked fast. He absolutely looked athletic. But this isn't just a speedster, you know, working downfield and getting open by 20 yards. He displayed great hands. He displayed a great catch radius. He displayed ball tracking ability. And again, this was East Carolina. So we're going to be looking for these things consistently over time. But if we're talking about Debbie winners from week one, especially folks who, uh, you know, a Debbie winner who not a lot of people are necessarily talking about, I think Roman Wilson is my biggest candidate for that. And I do have another candidate as well. I think he snuck a little bit under the radar. And that's TCU's Trey Sanders. Now, Trey Sanders, he went 15 carries for 46 yards and three touchdowns. It's not an overly impressive stat line, but I thought he just played good, clean footwork. I liked his vision. I liked his play strength. Clearly, TCU wanted to go to him at the goal line. TCU was rotating running backs, and they were not in a game script where they could prioritize the run. And Trey Sanders still ended up with 15 carries. If you're not familiar with Trey Sanders, he was a highly touted running back recruit who started off at Alabama. Like many running backs, he just was not able to break through and get that volume at Alabama. So he transfers to TCU. Uh, and he's kind of left for dead by the Debbie community. And I, you know, I don't blame them because it is tough when these guys don't pan out. You don't know if it's just the, the running back room they weren't able to break through. But when he transferred to TCU, we, we definitely have some juice in his Debbie stock as well. So moving on here, the next guy that I want to talk about, also somebody who I don't think is going to get a lot of attention from this weekend. And I should point out, when I'm doing Devi standouts, and I'll do that pretty consistently as a segment throughout the season, I'm not just going to read off the top five guys in a box score. I will talk about some of the big guys, right? Like I opened with Dylan Edwards. I opened with Keon Coleman. But, but in my opinion, what I'm doing here is I'm giving you exposure. I'm giving you what you don't necessarily see as somebody who doesn't spend as much time on this content as I do, right? And so you may not have seen Kentucky playing Ball State. I don't blame you for that, but... It is something I was watching, and I saw wide receiver Dane Key from Kentucky at 6'3", 195, a true sophomore. I saw him look really good. Now, Barry and Brown is absolutely somebody at the top of the radar. He's a wide receiver for Kentucky as well, but I thought Dane Key was the most impressive wide receiver for the Wildcats this past weekend. 5 for 96, he had a touchdown, he was targeted early. I loved his ability to work over the middle of the field. I thought he looked really smooth and comfortable working through traffic, and I liked his ability to create space consistently. Now, Dane Key was somebody who I did have my eye on because the Kentucky beat was really heavy on him this offseason. There was a lot of hype around Dane Key, and transfer quarterback Devin Leary, Leary clearly had a connection here with Dane Key, and it showed up in week one against Ball State. Probably not going to catch that many heads, but as Kentucky starts to get into more primetime games and they will playing in the SEC, we're probably going to get more and more chatter about Dane Key. So another guy that you want to be a little bit ahead of consensus on, a little bit ahead 
of your league mates on. I got three more players for this segment in the week one Debbie standouts. The next guy is Troy Franklin. Troy Franklin, I love this. This is one of my favorite parts. This is one of the reasons that I'm willing to put in so much time in summer scouting because I love when I lock in on a player and I could tell the rookie big board patrons about him ahead of time. I can put up a glowing summer scouting evaluation like I did for Troy Franklin. I could tell people how Troy Franklin works really well on the boundary and over the middle of the field. I can tell them how despite his frame, right, he works consistently into separation and he is physical and he's more like Devonta Smith than he is Tutu Atwell. I'm repeating phrases that were in Troy Franklin's summer scouting report and in the, the wide receiver summer scouting preview episode that I did. And what I'm what I'm getting to is that when he gets on primetime and people get to start seeing his name, he wasn't on primetime, Oregon wasn't on primetime, they were playing Portland State, but you were able to get your eyes on him. And when people did, they were excited about him. He had seven receptions for 106 yards. He had two touchdowns. And now I'm checking Twitter. I'm checking discords and the beat is growing. There's hype around Troy Franklin. And I absolutely love that because I know rookie big board patrons were in on him first and got a lot of exposure over the summer based on what I was able to see doing that summer scouting from 2022. I think the sky is the ceiling for Troy Franklin. I think he's going to be right up there with Keon Coleman when we're talking about those two guys in the context of the 2024 uh, wide receiver class. And I think as we start to add these guys to the class, Troy Franklin, Keon Coleman, you know, Malik Neighbors, all starting to pair up with Marvin Harrison Jr. And all of a sudden, the wide receivers are looking pretty strong in this 2024 class. All right, one more here. Uh, somebody who definitely may have flown under the radar. He's playing Friday night, and he's playing for Louisville. That's Jamari Thrash, the wide receiver who transferred from Georgia Southern. I was 7 for 188, so 7 receptions for 88 yards plus 2 touchdowns. 6'1", 185. He was the dude. He had great body control. I loved his athleticism. I thought he had really good hands, ball tracking ability. There was a lot to like for Jamari Thrash. So sometimes you should be uh, hesitant when thinking about a senior transfer playing four years at the group of five level. But if he's able to transfer and consistently produce and be the X in the Louisville offense, then I think we're going to be talking about Jamari Thrash having a legitimate chance of being a top 100 pick in the 2024 NFL draft. So there you go. Nine week one Debbie standouts from a jam-packed, fun, awesome weekend of college football. All right, let's transition into week one of the NFL. And I was trying to think of a lot of different ways to frame a rookie conversation because there's a lot of directions we can go down. You know, you can do top storylines you're watching for. You can just talk about projections again. But I thought the most helpful things uh, for the rookie big board listeners and patrons would be to think about, you know, what rookies can you be a little bit ahead of, right? And so I have five names of varying values that I think are going to outperform the expectations that you currently have in your head of these players. So the first one's going to be Marvin Mims. And now I might sound like a broken record. I'm all in on Marvin Mims. We knew about this all the way through the 2023 draft season. Uh, we knew the, the Broncos were in on him. They traded up. They used uh, heavy draft capital relative to their team on Marvin Mims. And now that depth chart is looking depleted uh, and possibly some sustained injury here or lingering injury, I should say, for Jerry Judy. So it's not hyperbolic, folks. 
for to put Marvin Mims as the wide receiver one in target share of this offense. And so although, yes, I think even if you've bought into the Marvin Mims hype from me, you're thinking about him as a borderline wide receiver three. Now, with this opportunity in front of him, if things click early, especially week one, Russ, if that chemistry is there live in-game, we know Russ needs a boost. He needs a wide receiver he can trust. Marvin Mims, uh, we could legitimately be talking about a guy getting 115 targets, uh, leading the way for the Broncos over the course of this year. So the big question is going to be ADOT. So Marvin Mims, he had a high average depth of target at Oklahoma. Is that the way they're going to use him in the Denver Broncos offense? That is to be determined. And what does that touchdown opportunity look like? Those things do sort of go hand in hand together. But will the overall Broncos offense be fluid? Will it be consistent? Will they be on the field enough to give that high opportunity? I think regardless, the overall consensus right now for Marvin Mims is as a wide receiver three. And I think if he's able to hold this volume projection that I have for him right now, I think he's going to be closer to a wide receiver too. Next up is Devin Achain, another guy that I have a lot of exposure to. And another guy who seems like he's early on going to benefit from some depth chart clearance in front of him. I have to double check my projections Every single time that I adjust Miami, because Achain keeps going up and up, and I'm not knocking Moster. I think both Moster and Achain can get his. I think folks are sleeping on how Mike McDaniels is going to use Achain in the passing game. We didn't see a ton of him in the preseason. That's usually a good sign. So the hype and the beat hasn't been going yet. In the final seasonal projections, Achain is running back 17 in my projections. And I'm laughing a little bit because it feels aggressive, but that's the reason I do projections. I plug into I plug it into the formula. I do a little bit of, you know, what uh, I have historical data on rookie production, and then I plug it into the offense. You know, it's full full cycle projections here, but it spits out running back 17 for Devin Achain. So I think he's somebody who, you know, played a little safe week one. If you have to use him in the flex, that's fine. But I think that there's a legitimate chance that as we get into weeks two, three, he's sliding right into that running back two role or a locked in flex role uh, on your rosters. He's a legitimate redraft seasonal play right now. And so I think even I may be surprised at how much I like Devin Achain at the end of September compared to the way that we feel about him right now at the beginning of September. Zay Flowers, Zay Flowers, I think, is the Ravens wide receiver one. I've gone in. The Ravens uh, offense is one that I've tweaked a lot in my projections. But at the end of the day, I think we saw some good flashes, some good indications of how they're going to use Zay Flowers throughout the preseason. The Ravens beat is really high on him. And then when you really dig into the numbers uh, and how we may be able to project out how Tad Monken is going to uh, utilize the weapons in this offense, everything they've been telling us all offseason, it just starts to make sense that Zay Flowers is going to be the volume guy, right? Like OBJ is going going to be there. I think he's going to finish with more touchdowns over the course of the season than Zay Flowers. Rashad Bateman will get his. I think they're still going to use Devin Duvernay. That's still a player they really like. And so there will be a rotation around, but I think at the end of the day, at the end of the season, at the end of the month of September, right? Zay Flowers is going to be the Ravens wide receiver one in terms of a consistent fantasy output. And that's very exciting for me because Flowers is somebody who I've liked going back a couple years now, but I've always just kind of been a little bit hesitant with Zay Flowers all the way through. I think it might be time to just officially lean in, go all in with Zay Flowers. Sean Tucker, Sean Tucker, the running back out of Tampa Bay, the draft darling. He's been a Highly hyped guy throughout the Devi community for a few years now because he's put consistent great tape and, and high production uh, out from Syracuse where he played at the college level. 
He was named running back two for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think that's really significant because if I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Baker Mayfield at the helm here, who was in a legitimate quarterback battle with Kyle Trask, I would want to be running the ball first and then running the ball second before letting Baker throw the ball third. And so it will be Rashad White being the dude. And I think Rashad White will absolutely get his through the passing game uh, and on the ground. Rashad White is somebody who I'm very high on this year. But as a rotational back, Sean Tucker is a very, very nice compliment to Rashad White. I think Sean Tucker could end up getting some decent goal line work. So I'm not suggesting that Sean Tucker right now is, you know, a running back one or a running back two or heck even a running back three. But the point of this segment is to give you guys who are going to increase in value, who you're going to feel more comfortable with uh, in a month from now. And so I think Sean Tucker goes uh, from, you know, uh, a waiver wire type guy to being somebody who absolutely is on your bench. And as bye weeks and injuries start to pile up, he could be somebody that you have to rotate into your lineup, especially in deeper leagues. And I know, I know for a fact that anybody who listens to the rookie big board or quite frankly consumes the rookie big board in any way knows that Puka Nakua was going to be in this segment here. First off, that's my dude. He's been my dude. He's one of my favorite guys going back from the college tape. I said consistently how his creative skill set, his ability to make guys uh, miss on the ground, his ability to go up and win contested catch situations, overall athleticism, great ball tracking ability, great handwork at the college level. I love that projection all the way through. And then when he landed with Sean McVay, it was a perfect connection here because now you have that creative skill set with that creative mindset. And now it seems like there's legitimate volume opening up in front of Puka Nakua. I don't know what things are going to look like with Cooper Cup. I don't know how long that hamstring is going to play out. But Sean McVay has already come out here and said that Puka Nakua is going to be in a wide receiver two split with Tutu Atwell. Uh, if Cooper Cup isn't on the field, we saw Puka flash in preseason. So I think this is somebody who's already on everybody's roster. And we're going to start considering him being more of a flex play by the end of September. Considered to just, you know, right now I think he's kind of just a guy who's on the bench and you're hoping that he pops. I think we're going to see those pops. I think we're going to see the hype building around him. Uh, it's going to be really exciting to see how we feel about Puka Nakua after the first few weeks of the NFL season. So there you go. Segment number two here, five rookies who I think will outperform their expectations in September. Marvin Mims, Devon Achain, Zay Flowers, Sean Tucker, and Puka Nakua. All right, we're going to finish this episode strong here doing a 2024 quarterback tier check-in. So I want to break down a couple tiers here of the 2024 class. I'm not going to read off my rankings here because quite frankly, the Rookie Big Board patrons are the ones who pay for that access. Head on over to patreon.com slash rookiebigboard. It's a really great value. You get access to the full uh, evaluations for all of these players, as well as their, their value relative to Devi players, to Dynasty players, access to the Rookie Big Board Discord. Awesome stuff. Uh, but I do want to give you a little bit of check-in here of the tiers, because that should give you an overall value here of how the quarterbacks are playing out. And I'll try to do this consistently with different position groups here uh, as the season goes on. So starting with the quarterbacks here, there's only one guy at the top. He's in a tier of his own. No surprise here. It's Caleb Williams. If you're talking about Caleb Williams right now, I have him 11th overall in my rankings. And when I say 11th overall, that means Devi rookie uh, dynasty. So if I'm doing a startup draft right now in dynasty that everybody's involved in, I'm taking Caleb Williams in the first round. He's that special. The hype is building. Everybody knows it. He's well on his way to being the top overall pick in the NFL draft. 
Uh, and he is in what I call my franchise cornerstone tier, which means a, a, a high-level quarterback, right? Like a top six quarterback uh, in the NFL. That's how I value him. He's right up there, and he absolutely deserves to be. Uh, the next guy up here that's in a mini tier of his own is Drake May. Drake May, a good first week here for UNC. I got to be honest with you, I did a live watch for UNC North Carolina while I was prepping other work for the rookie big board. So I didn't have time yet to focus in on what I want with Drake May, which is his mechanics. But that will absolutely be an in-depth rewatch that I do throughout the week. Yeah, I'm watching college football all week long. It's not just on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, and so he's in a mini tier of his own right now because uh, there's enough great great tape and there's a legitimate chance he goes top five in the NFL draft. Uh, so a lot to like about Drake May sub tier of his own in my league winner tier, which is that borderline quarterback one, two type guys. Uh, and then this is when things start to get really big here. So in no particular order, but in the same tier, you have Quinn Ewers, you have Joe Milton, you have JJ McCarthy, Bo Nick, Shador Sanders. Okay. And so that's five guys here that fall within my weekly starter tier. So those are your guys that quarterback 12 to 24 overall in a super flex league. You're, there's guys that, you know, aren't necessarily that Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes level, but they are guys who are going to slot in really consistently. If you want a comparison point, you know, think about Kirk Cousins right now. That's the type of guy that's in the weekly starter tier from the dynasty side of things. Uh, and so for me, you know, really the big standouts in that is that, you know, I talked about J.J. McCarthy in depth. Uh, Quinn Ewers has a lot of upside, along with Joe Milton at Tennessee, who has a lot of upside. And then joining the group here is Shador Sanders, who I think proved this weekend that he has a ton of upside. Shador Sanders, the biggest riser. I try not to do major jumps off of one week of performance, but for a guy like Shador Sanders, who we've only seen compete at the FCS level, he came out and he was more than just an athletic quarterback. He had great mechanics. He had a command of that offense. He was able to process and read the field. I, I do a full breakdown on Shador Sanders and why I think he will accumulate value over the next couple months from a fantasy football perspective. That is in the aforementioned Colorado video on the Rookie Big Board YouTube. But I had to take some time to point out he's joining that group. So that brings five guys who have the chance to really, you know, in that weekly starter tier, think of those guys right now as the ones who have the chance to really jump in the draft, to really see their value rise over the next couple months. So we're talking here legitimately, you know, if even three of these guys pan out to be legitimate draft prospects, we could, you know what I should say, they're all legitimate draft prospects. These guys will all get drafted, but legitimate first round NFL draft prospects, that would bring us up to five. That's really significant. That's a great number. My next group up here is flex filler. So these are the type of guys, you know, quarterback two to three uh, overall. So uh, quarterback 24 to 36, guys who you'd rotate into your lineup in a super flex league. Uh, you know, uh, think of a guy like Sam Howell right now. That's a good example of a flex filler type guy. Uh, Carson Beck, who had a, a solid first week for Georgia. Jaden Daniels, who has a ton of athleticism, uh, but still needs to rein in those mechanics a little bit. Uh, Sam Hartman, who's looked impressive early on. Uh, KJ Jefferson in Arkansas, who's athletic but lacks a little bit of arm talent. Jalen uh, Milrow, who had a huge first week for Alabama, showing off that athleticism and arm talent. And then I want to hone in here on Michael Penix Jr., who has a ton of draft buzz right now. I've heard a lot of people say that Michael Penix Jr. is the quarterback three in the class, but I wanted to point out that he's not my quarterback three. He's, you know, in this flex filler tier, like I said, I think he projects a lot closer to being a QB three in the NFL or for fantasy football than a QB two. And so the reason I say that 
is not his tape. If you look, he's got a great arm. He has arm talent. He looks poised in this Washington offense. He looks like he's able to lead receivers downfield. He's processing well. But you have to keep in mind that Michael Penix Jr. has a significant and extensive injury history. He has two torn ACLs, and he has two upper body injuries as well. Folks, that is a red flag throughout the NFL draft process, and we do this every single year. We ignore it, we ignore it, and then we're shocked when we get to Indianapolis and you hear that he's not on, you know, 20 teams' boards. And if you're not on a board, then your draft value is just, it's dropping and dropping. If the team is not confident in your health, especially the quarterback position, they are not going to draft you. And it's not always about being injured going into the draft process. It's your history of injuries. And so you need to proceed with realistic expectations for Michael Penix Jr.'s fantasy football value. Even if you feel he is the third most talented quarterback in this class, he is not the QB3 in the 2024 class. And then you get into my bench depth here and things really open up. So I'm not going to read off everybody's names, but this is where you find guys like uh, Jackson Dart, Kyle McCord, Devin Leary, uh, Jordan Travis, who I'm lower on than consensus, Jalen Daniels, DJ Uolongulele, uh, Tanner Mordecai, Cade McNamara. There's a ton of quarterbacks, uh, Cam Ward, uh, who are, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, who are in this tier. Uh, and I say that to just point out that there is still a lot of volatility. There's still a lot of variability in terms of what this quarterback class is going to look like. So even if you didn't lock in, you know, on, on when I was giving the tiers and what that means relative, I think the important takeaways is that we have at least two really good fantasy quarterbacks in this class. And that's going to push up the value of the class overall and push up the value of your 2024 first round picks. And then you have a, a sub-tier of quarterbacks here that, you know, legitimately, if you're just playing the numbers, two to three of these guys will come out and be legitimate, highly hyped guys. We're probably going to see four to five quarterbacks go off the board in the first round of fantasy football rookie drafts next year in Superflex leagues. And again, that is going to really push up the overall value of your draft picks. A lot of quarterbacks to choose from always pushes up the value of picks. Look at the way some people were, were drafting Will Levis in the first round this year, even with his bad draft capital. People will always push up the value of quarterbacks, and for good reason, because if they hit in a super flex league, they're going to hit really big. So I'm telling you, we're probably going to end up with around four to five of those guys, and then we're going to come in with a really strong sub-tier of, of those rotational guys who you know aren't going to start year one, but have a chance to see their value rise. Guys like, remember Desmond Ritter, right? He didn't come out as a starter right away. Sam Howell, who is now seeing a major resurgency in his fantasy football value, he wasn't a starter right away. That's what I mean when I say a strong sub-tier of quarterbacks, where we probably can have like three or four guys in that group that folks are really, really excited about uh, going into draft season. So if you're thinking about the relative value of the 2024 class, uh, rooted in the quarterback position, you should be very excited about it. We've been saying this all off season, but you should be trading for 2024 first round picks. You should be trading for 2024 second round picks, especially over the next couple of weeks. Wait until, you know, some of your league mates start to get a little frustrated with their lineups. They think they're contenders. Maybe, you know, you're not a contender, you know, wait to sell off those guys then. 
those guys who can help a, a team. If you have somebody that you pick up off the waiver wire that has a, a quick pop, you know, produces quick value, flip them. Flip them quick in your league here over the next couple weeks. This is when fantasy managers get really antsy because they want to come out with two, three wins in a row in the first month. Get ahead of that. Take advantage of that. Accumulate draft capital from that because this 2024 class is going to be really strong and it will start and be rooted in a foundation of a really strong quarterback class. So there you have it. Three segments here. We talked about rookies. We talked about Debbie. We talked about Dynasty. And folks, that is what we are doing all day, every day, especially in season over at the Rookie Big Board. Again, patreon.com slash rookie big board to get access to those rankings, to the full access of the Discord. If you want to try it out for free, there will be a link in this episode description to the free part of the Rookie Big Board Discord. So here's what I'd encourage you to do. Jump in there see the community, see everybody chatting it up, and you're going to want full access because you're wanna, you're going to want to be all in on the Rookie Big Board. It's been so cool. Since we've launched the free Discord, many people have come in, you know, within a day. They've said, oh, I'm j- I just wanted to check it out, see what was going on, and then they were completely sold on it. So I encourage you, you know, if you want to give it a shot, definitely check it out. The link will be uh, in this episode description to try out the Discord. Hey, if you've been listening to the Rookie Big Board, if this advice is helping you out, please, please do me a solid leave a five-star review i know everybody says that but it really does help me out and as always i appreciate you checking out this episode of the rookie big board